Hi, ladies and gentlemen, and this episode of the podcast is again brought to you by A Life of Education. Um, Alifeofeducation.com is the UAE's only dedicated health and fitness educational website, delivering health and fitness content to health professionals and enthusiasts from a variety of sections of the health and fitness world. With talks and lectures in the areas of nutrition, anatomy and physiology, sports medicine, female development, yoga and pilates, strength conditioning, and many more to be added in the future, Allo's mission is to bring leading experts from around the world of health and fitness together on one platform to share their knowledge and expertise on a global scale. Uh, one of the lectures, one of the talks, uh, one of the pieces, bodies of work rather, that you can um, get on lifeofeducation.com when they launch is done by a, a couple called Soma, and that delves into what human ecology and movement is all about. So human ecology and movement is basically how kind of we used to uh, move as uh, hunter-gatherers, huddling around kind of campfires and... Uh, camps and tribes and how we how we moved how we moved up and down off the floor how we moved around on the floor um basically everything that's sort of natural barefoot uh before we invented anything to sit on or chairs or shoes and trainers and footwear and before we got lazy and started leaning over from their hips and picking things up that way how you kind of get down off the ground um, in the most effective and efficient way. And a good way to kind of frame that is if you ever watch a kid or a baby, you'd rather a baby rather than a, a kid, anybody, any kid that's sort of just starting to walk, kind of when they're pretty um, proficient at walking around, when they go to play in the dirt, they'll squat down, they'll keep their back straight, they'll spread their knees, they'll, they'll play on the dirt or the ground between their feet, they'll stand up with a perfectly straight back, their legs and glutes will do the work, move couple of feet across the room, across the garden, drop down again into a perfect squat and play then again. It's only when people get a little bit older, a little bit lazier, that they start to lean over at the hips and start to put their back under due kind of stress. Speaking of stress, uh, this podcast today is myself and Matt um, talking about Matt's talk that he gave in at the MIFID Pro um, Summit. So this is one that we've just recorded today, November the 1st today, and it is just a little recap of the weekend that we were at MIFIT Pro and talking, just to touch on a couple of lectures, we don't go into too much detail because we've got podcasts coming out now with these people, but we just wanted to give a little bit of a wrap up and kind of what we learned from the talks that we listened to and the people that we spoke to and kind of just give a little taster of what to look forward to in the next few weeks. But also to talk about Matt's talk that we didn't get a chance to speak to over the weekend because we were speaking to far more important people than, than me and Matt, just talking to ourselves. So we'll go into that, a lot about stress and kind of overall kind of immune system function, which Matt talks quite a lot about. He's got quite a level of expertise in, in that. We I just realized it's actually recorded in stereo. So what that means, which I've also just found out, is when... There's two microphones. Uh, my voice comes out of the left speaker and Matt comes out of the right speaker. So what I'm going to try and do between now I'm recording this and the time that we actually post it is I'm going to try and fix that um, to make it mono so, it comes to, so the sounds come out of the two speakers. Um, as you know, we're amateurs at this, 100% full-time amateurs. So uh, I'll get my Google on. I'll try and figure it out. Um, but for those of you who listen in work or who listen through one earphone or who listen in the car, um, the one earphone people are going to suffer because you're only going to hear one side of the conversation and anybody in the car uh, with the speakers. Sorry about that because I've listened to stuff before and I know how annoying that is. Um, I'm going to try and get it back to mono. Um, if I don't, apologies. Won't let it happen again. I'll know this for sure next time we're recording. I'll make sure that that little setting is always on mono, not stereo. So bear with us for this one talk. Um, we'll get on with it now. Uh, this is myself and Matthew.
Okay, we're back again. Um, it's myself and Matt. Say hello, Matt. Hey. And uh, we've got a couple of microphones on the stand here. So if the sound comes in and out a little bit, um, it's just that the microphones are wiggling around on us because we haven't figured it out because we don't know what we're doing. Getting sophisticated now. Um, okay, so we wanted to just have a do a quick podcast wrapping up everything from the MeFit Pro Summit. Um, just kind of to give people who are listening an idea of what's coming up and a couple of the people that we spoke about. Um, there are a couple of people that we spoke to and then uh, just kind of setting the scene for those guys that will be released in the upcoming podcast and also to talk a little bit about Matt's podcast which in the last episode with Ian Houghton um, it was just myself and Ian talking because Matt was actually in the room at the time uh, giving his talk boring the crap out of people so yeah do you want, do you want to start there like what was your talk about what's the whole stress adaptation syndrome uh, well it was it, it something that i've been thinking about for a few years and it all kind of started from uh this three-month placement i did with british swimming just after the 2012 games and basically my role at the time was as a kind of a sports scientist like british women hadn't really done that well from what i remember they got, picked up a couple of gold medals and they're supposed to be aiming for something like six or eight uh and my job was basically to go in there uh as a sports scientist and essentially sift through all of their daily monitoring data so like in any sort of elite program, you pretty much monitor and test everything. So things like resting heart rate, their rate of illness, their hydration status, their mood, you know, the whole thing. Um, and so it was my job to go in, sift through all of that. And what they wanted to find was what is the limiting factor in performance? You know, like assuming all things were equal, their training and their diet would improve them. So what's going to get in the way of that? And how can we predict it? And then ultimately stop it. Um, so I did my whole analysis, did the whole thing, and I found that their rate of illness was the thing that was stopping them. Like they would get sick all the time, which is pretty much the case in any endurance sport or, or sport where there's like a large volume of training. And so then it became, okay, well, what is it then that we can use to predict illness? And so I sort of did my analysis, the whole thing. And then I found that resting heart rate, which is essentially just a measure of parasympathetic function, that, that could be used to predict illness. And I found that if they're if their resting heart rate was elevated like two beats above their day-to-day -day standard deviation, and if it was chronically elevated for like more than five days, there was something like an 80% chance that they were going to get sick the next week with some sort of upper respiratory tract infection. It wasn't always the case. Sometimes it was just elevated because they were just, it was just elevated. Like it was just something that was obviously going on. Um, and then of course it then became, okay, well, what can we do then to, to stop that? Like how can we affect it? You know, how can we stop them getting sick? What can we do to improve their parasympathetic function? And so then I spoke with a few of the athletes and I just asked them, like, look, what was happening at this particular time in your life when your heart rate was elevated? And they would sort of try and remember. And some things would be like, oh, well, I was, it was exam period at uni. Like a lot of them were postgrad students. Um, some of them were working still to supplement their, their sponsorship money. Uh, and they'll go through particularly stressful points. And then some athletes weren't really doing anything. But then when I looked at their kind of daily habits when i asked them what they did day to day i found that those guys would spend more time around the pool than the other ones did and then it just happens that high chlorine environment would end up sort of taxing their immune system um and so it came from that and then it came from the whole idea of like was you know all things in life will impact your performance that impact you in a physical way um and you could see it, like I, I used to work with a few teams, like the rowing team, the sprint kayak teams, and in all the monitoring data, you could kind of see these peaks and troughs. And then obviously, because I'm there watching them and I know what they're sort of going through or like what their, uh, their daily lives are somewhat like, you could see it, like wherever there was like a serious bit of training, um, a lot of their daily monitoring stuff would kind of dip or, and then it would peak when they had periods of rest. And so you could just see this nice peaks and troughs. And then it got me sort of thinking about the whole idea of, stress and how everything impacts the body and then obviously coming to dubai and then going back into the private sector these people will sort of come up to us in their initial consultations and they're always tired they lack motivation for training they they don't see the point and so in the talk i referenced like the three biggest reasons why people don't go to the gym is because a well the first one that seems to come up the most is that they don't see the point because they just don't get results from exercise the second one is they don't feel fit enough to be in a gym which sort of speaks to like an emotional intimidation factor. Like I'm not worthy of being amongst all these bodybuilders and cardio uh, bunnies. And then the third one uh, was that it's just too uncomfortable. Like it's painful. So it's kind of like a lack of motivational willingness to, to sort of 
dive in and kind of suffer a bit of adversity. And so coming from the experiences of the with the swimming, it's kind of like, well, no wonder you feel all of these things because you're just in the tank, like you're just in the red, you know? Yeah. Like you can see it real clear with elite athletes because they're such kind of finely tuned specimens. But the second uh, you get away into the general pop, people are just so stressed all of the time because they're exposed to so many different environments that it's like they don't even know that they're feeling bad. Like it's just become normal. Like bad is their normal state. And so yeah. they assume that it's just the regular thing. And so my talk was basically kind of taking them on that process and being like, well, when you understand that, and I showed them some of the research that's done in neuroimmunity where if you have this dampened uh, immune response, then that can significantly alter cognitive function. And there's all these sort of studies that were done on mice where they found that mice that were chronically stressed or even acutely stressed, would they'd lose their short-term memories if their immune systems weren't in check. They would... Uh, display typical signs of uh, high anxiety and depression if their immune systems weren't in check and kind of all of the things that we experience as human beings sort of on a regular basis uh whereas versus the mice who had proper immune function were completely fine they, their memories were sharp they could problem solve and they were generally happier or whatever happiness looks like in a mouse anyway yeah. um and so then it obviously becomes well how do you regulate the stress or how do you manage the stress and then that's where I, I put up that little diagram on Facebook a while back with a guy in the middle and you, you see these different sort of uh, levels of exposure. So there's this kind of homeostasis, the first little inner circle. And then as he progressively gets more and more exposed to certain environments, you get this kind of training reaction, this sort of coaxing of the adaptive response. You then get this activation reaction. So like a significant, um, uh, a significant engagement of the adaptive response. And then obviously then into the stress response, which is like, okay, now you're seriously fatigued and then you're going to reach exhaustion if you don't stop. And so what I was trying to sell the guys on was the idea that <clears throat> you don't just have to sort of train all the time to, to make a difference. Like it's not necessarily always about the training. So if you know somebody's in a highly stressed state because they're working all the time, right? So you know they're already more or less in a stress response. Then simply loading them up and kind of getting them training and doing the whole sort of high intensity training or the rope slams, which you see so many trainers do like there's yeah. beginners, but they're, they're so afraid that the client's going to leave unless they get results like that, that they just load them up straight away and they'd start doing all this crazy stuff. It's like, look, you can get around that because if you understand that the body's adapted to the environment around it and that it's basically one with the environment, then you can use the environment as well by just go outside or like just learn new skills. Um, be exposed to sunlight, be exposed to sort of any sort of light. And it all has the same adaptive response. And this is what we call sort of general adaptation syndrome, the idea that all stress is cumulative. And while we sort of frame it in kind of a bad way, you can also use it for your advantage as well. So a lot of the things that happen during exercise also happen when you're exposed to significant heat or significant sunlight or when you're socially integrated with a positive community and so on and so forth. And so it's trying to sort of get them to start thinking that it's not just training. Like as, as PTs and as anybody who works with people in some sort of health and wellness setting, we need to kind of expand our horizons as to what health means and how we can achieve it. So what, did it, what, kind of, what way were you talking, like what were your examples in the talk? Well, so heat's one. So if you are exposed to significant amounts of heat, or not significant, but again, whatever is stressful for you, because it's all relative, right? Like a sauna or a shower or... Yeah, so the, a lot of the research that came from it is done by... Uh, was this famous study back in the 2004, 2005, I think it was, called the Finnish Sauna Study. And they found that in Finland, a regular, like... And a Finnish sauna is hot. Like, we're talking above 40 degrees. That one hour a week, there was like a 68% drop in their risk of Alzheimer's. Oh, really? Yeah, like quite substantial. And then also the fact that they're also like socially engaging at the same time, like there's other people in the sauna. Uh, you get all of these other sort of uh, cognitive responses from it. And then just the heat alone, like when you stress uh, muscle tissue with heat, you get this proliferation of what are called heat shock proteins that basically... They sort of, they're like what we call chaperone protein. So they stop cells from dying and they stop protein from denaturing. Yeah, and they basically restore cell signaling. And it's basically like this, uh, they describe it as a post-stress response. And that happens in exercise, heat, just about anything where tissues or your brain tissue is significantly stressed. Um, so then you, you boost your immune system through that. Heat shock proteins are basically 
they aid the development of certain immune cells that when they enter into your brain, they then kind of help along the whole process of neurogenesis. So basically increasing the amount of neurons in your brain, repairing old neurons. And this is the sort of cognitive response you get from exercise or from heat or whatever. Um, so heat, heat, I use it as an example. Uh, so what would that be, like a sauna? Yeah, a sauna. Or even just like the Dubai summer. So that's the point I made on the radio when we were last yeah. on together. I was like, yeah. look, don't, don't run away from the Dubai heat because that's can be, if you're into your training or you're into your health and wellness, like that's a, we're very fortunate to have that particularly dry heat, you know, where you're not just going to die of dehydration. What if you don't have a thing? What are your options? If you don't have a a desert climate outside your door? Well, then a sauna, like any sort of spa, but you've got to make sure it's hot, like it's uncomfortably hot. It's got to challenge you a little bit, you know, same with exercise, same with anything. Your body will have this sort of natural defense against things. You need to challenge those defenses. Um, And then the other examples I use were even just getting out into nature. So like, particularly plants like conifer trees or anything that's particularly woody that has a big trunk plants like that that basically go under rigorous photosynthesis they'll have uh, a chemical that they exude called uh, phytoncides i can never pronounce it right phyton yeah it is phytoncides um basically breathing that in as a substantial amount of sort of cognitive benefits and immune system benefits so it's all about what can you do to enhance the immune system without necessarily destroying yourself so go out and walk in nature like dirt has this um, mycobacterium that's essentially called like a dirt vaccine and again when you ingest that or when you get that kind of going into your body just through the air you get a lot of sort of immune benefits and again this harvard psychiatrist he wouldn't he basically got a big like i guess it was a tub or a big enclosure and he put all of these mice in it and then he'd get one big alpha male bully mouse he would chuck that in and then he would just watch them and what he found was that obviously the alpha male bully mouse would then go and pick on some of these smaller beta male mice right and so what they would do or what would happen is essentially the mice would quite literally raise up on their hind legs almost in a like i give up you know don't hurt me anymore and he found that when he would inject those same mice with this uh, mycobacterium they would either form other cognitive strategies to get away from the bully mass or they would actively fight back but none of them would actually just give in you know so you're almost like seeing like a physiological underpinning for not being a pussy yeah just from the effects of the immune system like having a well-functioning immune system seems to be the key um and then the other example is kind of the classic as you might expect like just hang around with people like social interaction and i was sort of talking about the whole idea of small group training picking up and booming now in the business because people don't necessarily they care about the results but it's not the main thing and some of the research that i use in some of my cybex talks they've this guy called what's his name dr melvin higson i want to say his name is he did a huge survey for health club management magazine and they find they found that on average if you say let's say you had a gym and it had a thousand members in it and each one paid i think it was 50 pounds he's the example over the course of like an average gym after eight months you probably lost about twenty thousand pounds roughly okay just because average membership retention rates tend to drop off right if you market group training like social interaction over appearance and aesthetic results you end up saving something crazy like fifteen thousand pounds you know yeah and like I showed this graph or this line kind of plateaus out where it significantly drops if you market results because people yearn for it. Like your body almost knows what it needs. It goes back to the, the sunlight and the walking in nature as well. But like when you ask people, what do they, what would you imagine like an ideal environment to be? They normally describe something with water, something with uh, mountainous areas, waterfalls, you know, kind of the archetypal um, kind of natural environment. Yeah. If you like, and then that people also like yearn for other people, you know, in studies where they purposefully try to stress humans, it's always done through social isolation or they get people in a room who are trained not to give any sort of positive ticks or feedback or anything. And that's literally how you activate somebody's, uh, you know, sympathetic nervous system, like in a really easy, like as soon as we do this, it's just going to fire up because they instantly feel uncomfortable. Broken the thing there. Yeah, keep going. Um, so I was just trying to sort of highlight that but also like teach them new skills like when you're coaching don't just give them a recipe list of uh, external cues like when you're teaching a back squat don't just tell them okay keep your chest up keep your heels down uh, push your knees out uh, 
like try and challenge them you know turn it into a problem solving process you know start getting them to think rather than presenting it as a recipe list tell them look i need you to keep your heels on the floor and now i want you to squat down with your back straight and they'll start thinking about it or like the classic one we use a lot with um teaching them a hinge like a romanian deadlift get a stick on your back hold it to your spine now i want you to try and like touch your toes and you'll find that they then instantly start thinking and the second that you can start that thought process immune system boosts um you start creating what we call um all these sort of neurotrophic factors in the brain things Mm -hmm. like brain derived neurotrophic factor that basically regulate neurogenesis you know and then when you have all of those proteins in the brain that and neurogenesis kicks in you're then more likely to want to move you're more likely to be curious and want to explore the world as such you then stress the body more when you stress the body more you then get uh, all this immune sort of enhancing effects and the cycle continues so it's really through the immune system that we have this kind of nice mind body connection so it's trying to sell them on that whole process some got it some didn't sorry just keep going there i'm trying to fix something in the background (laughs) we got a little video camera and it keeps falling you got it Uh, i don't know we'll try it's sticky Um, just leave it so yeah so it's that so but the main point is that all stress is cumulative and people just don't get that and it's because i think it it, it's almost through the uh let's just leave it yeah i mean we we have uh in our group we've got people and because I'm helping a lot of people with their injuries and their rehab, um, there's a very clear pattern of when people are stressed that their pain levels go up. Um, and I'm kind of yeah. trying to teach people about the sympathetic, parasympathetic crossover, that when you're stressed, everything's more sensitive, everything's more alert, everything's more like ramped up. Um, and trying to find ways to get them to not stress about the injury. Hmm. Often, if they can, we can find a way to get them more relaxed about it. The injury takes care of itself. Yeah, um, people. Do, it's, it's tough because people just don't see it. Like I, again, I, I see it in my PT and semi PTs as well, where somebody's going through a particularly traumatic time. Suddenly, all the aches and pains just flare up. Yeah, and there's this complete lack of association between the two. Like it, they just, they just can't get it. Whereas, and I think that's just because of how we live. Um, I sort of made the point on. Aya's podcast is like we're fundamentally a, a part of our environment you know we often see ourselves as the boat sailing on the sea rather than we are actually part of the sea itself and I'm sure that when we were roaming around as uh, cavemen we would have kind of intuitively realized that you know like oh when it's winter and the sun's not up I'm going to be a little bit tired now you know because you, you're, you're, you're so involved with what's going on in the world whereas now because we live in you know houses and we have a an office and we have a car we're constantly removed from it and so now we've we've almost lost that connection Jim. or well our minds have lost that connection our conscious thoughts lost that connection but our bodies will always sort of remember that and they will always respond to it yeah i mean people are very compartmentalized you know yeah. like they're not putting they go out for a run they're when they're trying to de-stress they're really really stressed and in the middle of the run their knee starts hurting mm. and the, the same run the day before when the run didn't hurt them or they did the run the last week and the, run, the, the knee didn't hurt them but they've gone out to de-stress so they're going into the room with a higher level of stress and a higher level of sensitivity to everything and then yeah. their knee starts to hurt and then that just pushes them over the edge of a cliff and then they start feeling like the knee is gone everything's going wrong A, B and C is going wrong um, if people can just sort of get it's, 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 it's walking a tightrope between sounding like a yogi kind of if you can get a little bit more zen yeah. in your life if you can just start to um get a bit of awareness over what is stressing you and it's okay that it can stress you and there's ways to de-stress that don't involve stressing you more and then don't stress about those things mm-hmm. don't go all the way around the, the bend and start thinking that you need to float in a float lab twice a week and you need to go to yoga three times and you need to uh do your meditation by yourself in the morning every morning because those things are going to stress you out as well. well. I mean, those things can de-stress you to a certain extent, but it's the, it's the scheduling of it that stresses yeah. people. It's like, fuck, I haven't meditated today. It's like, well, you've just lost the point. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, no, I think trying to remove yourself from the environment as much as possible. So like sleep's the classic recovery strategy because now you're just completely removed from it. Do you know you're off in the dreamland? And I would say that things like the flotation tank are probably the next best thing. 
because literally it's like sensory deprivation. You've done one of them, haven't you? I haven't done one. Yeah, when I put point zero in the cheeky plug there. It was great. Like I was in a cabin and it's, you're just sort of floating in this. Yeah, so just talk boom. about what it is. I don't know if everybody's heard of it. Well, there's, there's two things that you can do. You can either go in uh, a pod or you can go in a cabin. I was in the cabin, but the general idea for both is that it's complete sensory deprivation. So you're floating on uh, heavily salted water. So it's like the Dead Sea. It's pitch black, although in the cabin you can have different light therapy options. Um, there's no sound. You're there floating, so you can't feel, you're not experiencing gravity anymore as such. Um, and the water is set at skin temperature. So technically you can't see, you can't hear, you can't feel, you know. And so you just yeah. go off and you're there for an hour and like time kind of stands still. Like it was a very soothing experience. Some people aren't into it. Like some people get freaked out and they get nauseous. But I think you just need to practice. Like yeah, they're probably the people who need it the most. Yeah, exactly that. They just freak out. Like, where is the world now? Yeah. You know? um, so what are you thinking when you're in there? Like, what's, are you thinking this is nice? Do you start to get sleepy? I reckon I'd fall asleep. And some people do. And if that's, I think the point is you try not to force it. You know, I mean, that's what they always say about meditation. Like people say, oh, no, no, I just, I can never stop thinking. It's like the idea isn't to not think. It's just to, just to let things go. Yeah. I just sit there and let thoughts kind of come in and pass you by. And, you know, you don't have to uh, manage it at all. Like the second you start managing it or you're worried about it, or you, you think you're not quite hitting it. That's when you've lost it. Do you know, you just got to let these things come and go. And I guess that's the same with stress as well. Like there is, I think a lot of it is just comes from the thinking about whatever the problem is. The problem is rarely actually the problem. It's the thought process. It's the problem. It's not the problem. The problem is your attitude towards the problem exactly that the yeah. ability to worry and that's that's part of it and that's what's led us to building houses and technology and stuff because whereas other animals would get chased by a lion and then be like okay it's done and now i'm back to eating grass we're now like shitting our pants thinking jesus i don't want that to happen again what am i going to do how yeah. am i going to deal with it so it's important that we have that ability and that's that's what guys like noam chomsky say is the purpose of language like the communication side of things is just like this happy side effect but the real value of it is that we can have that internal monologue going on. Right, okay. So we can now change our environment around us, and that's what's allowed us to be the species that we are. But obviously then it, it, it becomes a curse as much as a gift when we're completely safe and we don't necessarily need it just to stay alive. You see, that's when you start worrying about what your friends are saying behind your back and blah, 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 because it's just your basic needs are covered, do you know? yeah. There's also that whole thing, like there's certain stresses that you can't control. There's certain things that are way out of your control, like the person you work with yeah. is just making your life difficult. Whether it's your boss or a colleague or somebody in, below you in the chain. They're just not doing their job. They're just a, uh, they have their own issues and they're taking their issues to work, work with For them sure. and it's stressing you out. So I think like, there's, you have to begin with identifying what you can control and what you can change. Yeah, and just focus on them and make them as best as you can. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Or, or that's what's exactly one of the points. I'm, well, I'm hopefully doing a corporate talk. Maybe not this month. Maybe the month after. Um, that's exactly what I think corporate wellness should be. Like, it's not necessarily just the standing desks and ergonomics. It's like trying to really teach, particularly middle managers. Middle managers seem to be the uh, the linchpin of office problems at least in, from what i hear from people who work in offices but like teaching those people like do you understand the power you have like when you speak to somebody and you have this perceived authority over them do you know like we're the only species on the planet where people congregate to listen to one another and as such all of those adaptive mechanisms are still working so when somebody says something you don't like or says something uh, harmful like you you get a physical response from that like it's not all just lifting weights and uh, getting sleep like the way in which we speak to each other has such a profound effect as well more so than maybe anything else yeah like if I, I can I can insult you now and I'm going to get like a sympathetic response from you do you know sympathetic or, as in a stress response yeah, not, as in a not, fight or flight mechanism yeah no, like, I'm going to be sympathetic to you Matt yeah 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 exactly as in yeah yeah so th from the nervous system so I can I can basically fuck around and play you like a puppet depending on how sensitive you are do you know yeah so when you're in an office environment and you've got say artificial lights kind of shining in their face it's dark outside but there's still light inside when you have an air conditioning unit that's blasting away and they're maybe a bit cold or they're under a bit of inflammation 
they then obviously been sitting down just typing away for hours on end so now they're starting to ache and they're starting to sort of you know get a bit tight and then they have a boss come in and says something that just really pisses them off finish all this paperwork by five o'clock exactly now you're just gonna like of course you're gonna be stressed of course you're gonna be in the tank and then you're gonna try and go to the gym afterwards and you know do a heavy set of deadlifts like and that's when your back goes exactly that that's when your back goes or that's when your knee goes and then that's the worst outcome of the day and then you yeah. don't sleep that night and then you go home and you have a row with your with your partner of course and by the next by the next like you're toast and now you can't sleep yeah and, you know but the, so this is the real power of it then like when you explain to that middle manager you could have resolved a lot of those issues by just saying something positive, you know? Because again, like, although we sort of speak about it in a bad way, again, I could say something really nice to you and I could compliment you and then I get this huge, like, oxytocin response, like this kind of, um, they call it, like, the love hormone, you know? And that's going to increase your immune system and that's going to increase all of the sort of positive effects that we've just spoken about just by me saying something to you, you know? So there's there's real power there that people don't respect. And I think that's the... uh, that's the value of understanding or well, having some sort of knowledge on physiology in like a corporate setting. Yeah. Like fuck all the standing desk stuff. Like, I mean, that, that kind of helps to a certain extent, but you know, just don't be a dick. It's like our company philosophy. Like just don't yeah. be an arsehole. Treat people nicely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's suggesting we go around paying compliments to each other. Hi. Nice. It doesn't have to be that, but like positive is in like, you'd say to somebody like, you know, thanks for doing that. Like, I appreciate you. Or, you know, doesn't have to be anything crazy and that's yeah. exactly the point like it small things make such a huge difference to people yeah i mean you know that you know uh everybody can remember compliments that they've actually got way in the past yeah you know from someone i can't believe that person said well played in that game or i can't believe that person came to me and said i like your i like your clothes or i like your whatever or you know you put out a good podcast last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great podcast. Thanks. So, yeah. <laughs> Not getting any of those. Oh, pump, up, pump up my tires. We have a thing actually now that I think about it. This is going to be really embarrassing, but I'll tell it anyway. Um, with the rugby boys that we play with called the compliment circle, where it's literally just when a big <laughs> a compliment circle, where it's literally just a big, big party. All the boys are out. And then all of a sudden you look over, there'll be seven or eight guys just on one knee in the pub. And it's literally just a case of, right, everybody has to pay the person. So someone will just call it, all right, boys, on your knees, compliment circle. And everybody just has to turn to the person <laughs> to, the, to their left, whoever it is, whether they know them or not, and just pay them a compliment. And it's, it can be difficult sometimes because, as you know, you could be beside someone who you genuinely don't like. Yeah, or you have a nice T-shirt on. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's as simple <laughs> as that. I mean, there's no, no one really doesn't like each other, but there can be somebody that you, there's obviously, if it's your mate, you know them really well. You know, yeah. like if it's a really good mate, it doesn't matter. If it's someone you half know, it's a bit difficult. But you have to go for something. Either you crack a funny compliment, or you like, you like, you actually go deep. I mean, you say something like, "This guy on my first day down at training, you know, I didn't know anybody, pulled me over and said, look, mate, jump in the back line here with me. I'll tell you what to do.' Yeah, and it made me feel amazing. It made me feel for so sure. welcome. But and that guy's never going to know that. Yeah. You know, that guy will never, ever know. Like, I had a guy, one of my own friends from, from Dublin, actually, years later, we were, when we were 18, we were playing a rugby match, and it was about maybe four or 5,000 people watching the game. It was quite an important game of the season, and uh, it was our first competition match where we were playing in a stadium with the crowd. The whole school was there. Everybody got the yeah. afternoon off, blah, blah, blah. Pa- old parents, past pupils, everybody was there. The games nowadays are on TV, but at that, at that stage, they weren't televised. But um, as we were running on the pitch, he tripped. <laughs> he tripped just on the little bit of mud. The, li- the bit on the little bit of mud as you go in the gate onto the grass, he tripped. He didn't fall over, but he stumbled. Yeah. And he took about seven or eight stumbling steps before he got his balance and ran on. And uh, I really still remember this. But I didn't remember what happened after. I remember kind of going, ah. Like as we're running on, we're all serious. That would have destroyed the whole game for me. I'd giggle like a schoolgirl for the rest of the match. I was, well, it wasn't particularly funny. It kind of was funny. But as he said to me years later, blah, 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 blah. He repeated the story. And he goes, when we got to the middle of the pitch and we were waiting for the game to start, I just turned to him and was like, you all right? Yeah. And he was like, yeah. And I began with the game. That was it. Yeah. But he was like, dude, that meant so much to me. He was like, the fact that you just simply turned to me, he was like, are you okay? Are you all yeah. right? 
he was like it made him feel so much better and we were in our 20s when he was telling me this like this is a long time after and i was just like wow i don't remember that yeah but that changed his whatever you call it oxytocin neurotransmitters yeah yeah from shit in his pants because <laughs> he was obviously very nervous he lost his foot he made it worse sure and there's a football eventually kicked to him and he's got to play an 80 minute game but the like words can be quite powerful in that instance but uh no, I mean, in all instances, and, uh, you know, particularly in that setting as well, because obviously team sports, like particularly rugby, like you guys get beasted, like with your initiation processes, like you get made to feel like shit Sometimes, half the time. Yeah. Yeah, do you know? Whereas when, and, and it's always, like you always saw it at a school in particular, and it's always bizarre to me even then, is like, there would always be some sort of like run to the team who just could never quite get it right. And then some of the guys would then have a go at him. And it always seemed to me like, the more you shout at him, the more... Yeah, shit he's gonna feel the more likely he is to fuck up because now he's worried and he's hesitant like yeah. what, at what point do you think this is gonna be of any benefit to anybody there was a guy um, he's actually one of my clients right now at the moment but uh, he joined the rugby team here out here when I was playing and I didn't know that he'd never played rugby before in his life I, yeah. he was just he's a big heavy guy and he joined the team and halfway through the game the ball was bouncing around on the ground in front of him Mm-hmm. and anybody who's played rugby since they were a, any young, young age will know you dive on it like you put your body on the ground and you protect the ball whereas he did this kind of soccer pass instead of throwing his body on it he tried to like soccer pass it to the person beside him do you know what I mean yeah 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 and I instantly looked at him and I was like this guy's never played before mm-hmm. like okay that's him that's him in his box I get it he's never played before about four of the boys started screaming at him. Yeah. What are you doing? Go down on the ball. Go down on the ball. And I was just like, all hell broke loose. Yeah. Like people screaming at this guy. And I was like, he's an adult, <laughs> right? Yeah, he knows the basics about rugby. If he's played yeah. rugby before, he knows that you go down on the ball and you like, you win possession. You don't kick it like a footballer, but clearly no one's ever told him that and that's not in his instinct yeah and they were screaming i'm just like you just said he was just this now this nervous wreck and yeah I to, of course i had to say to him i was like look dude i pulled him quietly aside and i was like look you're going to realize quite quickly on this team there's people who you listen to and there's people who you don't listen to all right so you just play the game we're not we're not in any sort of tournament <laughs> it was like the first game of the season in Jesus. a warm-up game i was like just have a bit of fun it was it wasn't even the first team it was like the second or the third team i think not even the second team so just have a bit of fun. We'll go back in the bus yeah. after and it'll be fine. Don't let those guys, this guy, this guy, this guy, ruin your game, ruin your day. But yeah, it might be an interesting thing for people to incorporate into a corporate day is literally just surprise everybody with a compliment circle. Just yeah. go, right, everybody, sit on the floor. Just give each other a hug. You have to tell the person to your left something positive. And if you don't, you're out. You're yeah. off. You're fired. Get out. Because like, sometimes people can find it quite hard to say something positive. Oh, for sure. Sometimes people, it's like, it, it's just, it gets stuck in their throat. They're just like, I'm not too worried about being a pussy. Like, oh, don't be gay. Just tell you know. this person, say something nice. Like, I wonder if people listening now, if you t- looked at somebody across the office or across the gym right. or wherever you are, across the road, could, could, you, could you just say, look at someone now and go, something positive about that person, anything. Yeah. I like your... Earphones. Yeah. Those look like nice earphones. I don't know, yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, no, but as like I say, that's, that's the real value of it. Because particularly in like some jobs like teaching and stuff, like we obviously work with a lot of teachers. And like they're just... Obviously. Obviously. And it's, um, it's such an unappreciated like profession because half of the stress and things comes from just these like middle managers and these... Kids. Uh, well, not even the kids, that's the thing. Like the kids is, from what I hear, is kind of the nice part about the job but then it's just everybody else giving you such a hard time like just this this kind of multi-layered managerial system where there's and the second you get more than a few people the value of people's lives becomes meaningless or it drops in value anyway do you know and so it's like these you get these big bloated sort of schools and corporations where you're all just cogs in a thing and if you're not doing your job then we're going to berate you and we're going to treat like shit and the whole thing so and you say it's powerful, and uh, it, that registers on a physical level, an emotional level, whatever level, and it, it all comes in uh, under the same general response, you know, and that's that's what the whole thing was. Yeah, I mean, uh, middle management—it goes for anybody really in your relationship. Just try and just try and be nice to each other. It's hard though. We have the same problem in our lives as well. It's oh, not geez. like we're golden people. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so just going back to the actual MIFA Pro Talk, how did you find the whole weekend? We just sat outside doing podcasts all weekend. So no, it was awesome. There were some real, well, everybody was smart, but there were some like real smart dudes there. Um, Cliff Harvey, who I was impressed with his talk. So he, the one we did with him is, he's like a doctor, or not just a doctor yet. He's a PhD student studying uh, ketogenesis. Yeah. Has been for like. 20 years. I didn't realize. I had to like double check. I was like, hold on. Did you say 20 years? Like, because he looked like he was about yeah, 25. Yeah. And I was like, you're, ne- you're nearly 40. And he's like, if ever there was a testament to ketones and the power yeah. of ketogenics, it's this guy. Like, because he just seems to have nailed the aging process. Yeah, he was from New Zealand. Um, I don't know what number of podcast that is because I can't remember the list off the top of my head, but that, we'll get that going out soon. Um, I actually liked, we, we had a chat. What I realized over the weekend was it sort of reminded you how much you don't know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, things that you've forgotten that I haven't even thought about in that in years, do you know? Like what? Just some of the, the movement stuff that Paul was going through. Oh, yeah. It's just kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, do you know what? I used to do this all the time. I haven't yeah. sort of brought that out the toolbox for ages. And so started doing it with a few other clients when I got back in the gym. Yeah, that's a whole thing called isolated integration and integrated isolation from the Gray's Institute. That's really complex, but that's Paul Edmondson. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that. You'll hear that chat. Mm. That's about moving the whole body as one sort of long ch- connective chain um, through full ranges of movement and then combining complex movement. It's actually quite complex to, to explain by sound over oh, yeah, a podcast. You watch a video but, of it, yeah. You'd have to go online and maybe Google some of the stuff that they do, but it's super beneficial to people in a way that uh, is very kind of outside the box of traditional yeah. gym, push, pull, jump, squat, move forward, move backwards. But I remember speaking with Danny Bartlett for the, about the TRX. Yeah. Like, he's a good guy. He could talk forever. Um, that was an interesting podcast, but it highlighted to me that even though uh trx thing isn't a big piece of my artillery when i'm doing my programming Mm. there's a lot to it that i don't know that would be worth knowing should i ever need a client who would benefit from a trx yeah so i could have an attachment to barbells and open spaces and prowlers and and whatever else but knowing everything i can know about the pog about the um about the trx or some other sort of random kit that you'll just see lying in the gym that right now I don't ever use. Yeah. I'll never use it. I don't know how to use it. And I, I can continue my life without using it. But is it worth going on a weekend course to learn everything about a TRX and leaving a, a percentage of it behind and never using it or having a whole new drawer in my toolbox of exercises to go to? For sure. Um, I think that's one of the things I really kind of, picked up and what, what's the word like benefited from or appreciated rather that while we had the doctors dr emily splickle talking about her uh, barefoot stuff that was really cool yeah we're gonna we're gonna get a podcast with dr ramsey ross as well and his physiology um he was too busy at the weekend to actually sit and talk to us he had some family uh, engagement after but yeah same with tom Martin as well he'll be good to get back on um these people are super, super top end. So it's not a, it's not a hierarchical thing almost, you know, yeah. it's not like you're a doctor. So you know, this It's all right but even if you're the trx guy you're the top of the trx food chain yeah so you're gonna know a thing or two about all the benefits of it which is hugely important for some people um so that's what i kind of enjoyed as well i'm trying to think who else we met and spoke to it's a week or two ago now at this stage from the time we're recording this one Um, i know it was all good i mean it was it was whenever you go to those things it's nice to see um, obviously everybody bringing something different but the general theme always tends to be the same in the sense that p- people are speaking about the same sort of stuff like the, this like a s- similar general idea that goes through so kind of moving or like movements over muscles for instance or there's a lot of attention paid to the nervous system and yeah. how that impacts movement yeah. more now. Um, so there's, there's, it's nice to see that people from different continents are kind of coming to the same conclusions. Yeah. Yeah. Whether well, it's because we're all reading the same blog posts and articles, I don't know. But uh, I'm hoping it's just because we're all starting to realize just through our own practices that, okay, the body's a little bit more complex than just kind of bicep curls <clears> and uh, sweet potatoes. Do you know? Yeah, I think it comes to the point of like the more... 
because what, what you're talking about there just to explain to you is like referencing the nervous system you've got uh the injury people and then injury pain nervous system you know in pain in the knee uh, the nervous system picks it up, sends it to the brain. The brain says, right, that's pain. And then you have a thing. That involves the nervous system. The movement guys, you know, someone's stiff. They're in a new, they're sitting on a desk all day. When they try and open out, the nervous system doesn't really understand what's going on. The brain doesn't really know or, or like this new movement through this new range. So it sends a signal back down and, it's, it, you know, it stiffens that joint up. So how do we open up that joint through movement? How do we impose this kind of movement, this medicine philosophy on people? But everybody's, kind of coming down to the same fundamentals especially at that level yeah at that level where people are really like in tune with so it's like no matter what you um no matter how it looks on the outside what whatever uniform you're in or whatever company you work for or whatever you're trying to sell the high level people are all falling onto the same the anatomy the movement you know the movement of cells if we can move people we can you can transfer uh nourishment in and out of the cells at that stage you can improve the cells you can improve the rate of reduction towards the aging process or towards, you know that's kind of where people were all different angles but they're all focusing on the same kind of thing like movement is medicine let the nervous system appreciate what's happening let everything stay nice and fluid um and how that then looks in your gym is going to be different. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that, that's a lot of them spoke about the nervous system, holding on to t- tension, holding on to stress. Like you're talking about stress. Um, yeah, for sure. Like, and again, you can see it like where people are just tight. Um, and I think it's something that you obviously learn in your body hack thing. Cause I've seen a few people who have sort of spoken about it where you almost get this reflexive protective response sort of thing yeah when you when you are feeling stress and that's kind of part of the reason why you get like this tension through the shoulders and the through the chest and why you end up with this kind of kyphotic upper spine it's almost like i just want to curl into a ball yeah like, you know um yeah people are complicated and you know as complex as we are it's uh it's our environment that we're in that tends to dictate what happens to us because that's obviously how we sort of adapted from uh, all those little single cell organisms whatever it was 800 yeah. million years ago um uh, people just need to be more mindful of it like sort of need to reconnect with uh, with those ideas and then you'd suddenly start seeing people take more days off or they'll change their work environment or they'll change something about their lives because it's uh, it's becoming like a real problem in western society or even just societies like this i think it's easier uh, no it's definitely easier said than done but i oh, think sure. i think it happens for people when they experience it yeah for the first time like when they experience I didn't think that that yoga class was going to help me, you know, or I didn't think that, you know, I felt real shit coming into the gym this morning, but I didn't know whether to come or cancel, but now I feel really good. Yeah. And then you come back into the gym the next day or the week later, and you know what, after last week's session, I felt great all day. I got home and I was, I was awake, yeah. you know, it was full of energy. And then I slept so well that night. Yeah. Like, and that's all just from like one little gym session so they've experienced it now there's no like there's no sales technique that i can preach to them there's no before and after picture that i can show them that's gonna that's gonna hit their emotions harder than that feeling of i felt it i don't know what it was but i felt it and i want more of it so how do i get more of that yeah and it's the same thing that we experience in our semi-private sessions like when people start looking forward to coming to train like they're excited to train because they know that they, there's people that they like the people they're going to be training yeah. with and they, they get all those feelings and it's just that's yeah that's the real sort of positive side of things as far as training goes but it's the, the crazy thing is is that people use the words like I felt great it's like no no you just felt as you probably should every day like that's that should be normal for you. Yeah. do you know what I mean like you've just been way down low yeah, for yeah. so long you've experienced you've touched on what just a normal human being should be like do you know yeah that's tough so um well yeah because people just it's the grind isn't it and we it is an illusion that we're yeah, sort of wrapped up in and we're we're in it as well hard. of course yeah 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 like it's not like we're oh i'm i'm out there on the edge i'm amazing mm. superior i fell yesterday i actually think yesterday i had way too much coffee um i was literally falling asleep around lunchtime in front of a client i just had to stand up and walk around and like don't just stay in this one spot wake up and then i got home and uh lay on the couch lay on actually lay on my bed and just couldn't sleep like as in i was in that period of i felt like my whole system was wired my yeah. brain was so tired and i was just like god 
I think I've had way too much coffee. Mm-hmm. I think I've just completely lost the track of things today and just gone, slept okay the night before, but just tried to use coffee to get me through. Yeah. And I just was way too stressed. Yeah. Way too alert, way too buzzing. But also my brain was just like, shut down, go to sleep. So that was a, that was a weird feeling. Yesterday was a day I was like, I don't know if I'm, you know when people can start with that, I don't know if I'm coming down with something. I can feel the start of a flu. I just yeah. like, no, I just think I'm way overly stimulated. Mm-hmm. Not in the, the good crash. way. Yeah. yeah. Your body just stopped. It's like there's too much going in. We just yeah, we don't, know we don't know what's going on. My brain didn't work either. So if, you're, if, I didn't, if I didn't have the opportunity to just separate myself from everything that was going on and just, you know, I didn't have a boss, a meeting. I didn't have a client. I didn't have anything after that for a couple of hours. But... Yeah, I mean, my point is that we all suffer. You know, we all have these awful days, awful times where it's just like, oh, I just want to stay in bed. Yeah, I just, I just want to go to sleep and not wake up. Um, so, what have you? What's happening now? Do you have anything coming up in the future, in the short term? Uh, nothing major. A bit more teaching, hopefully, over the next couple of months. Teaching more PTs now. Yeah. So get my stuff kickstarted with PTA Global and Active IQ. So if you're Wanting to be a PT, I might be teaching you one of the next few courses. We'll see. When do they run? Uh, the next one's some point this month, maybe in a couple of weeks' time, November. It's November now, yeah. Something or other. I can't remember now. It still needs to be arranged, but that's the plan in any case. Yeah, and just trying to do more teaching in general. I'm, I'm trying to write like a little ebook as well based on the, the talks I've been giving and all that. Nice. Because um, I think it's important. I think it's it's... It's sometimes it's a tough sell because when people come into the whole sort of fitness world, they just want to get ripped and they want to lose weight. And so when you start talking about immune system, they're like, "Ah, oh, Jesus. But I think if you can really sort of get some understanding of it, it will, uh, like we've been discussing today, you'll suddenly realize that, huh, actually I'm way overstressed. Like I get way too much artificial sunlight. I'm sitting at a desk way too long. My bosses are dicks and like, yeah. you know what? They are just killing me and I need to make a change. And I think that's, when you, when you can nail it like that, like when you can get yourself to a point where you're not in a stressful or overstressed, that's when all the good stuff really starts to happen. Like that's when you'll start to lose weight. That's when you'll start to lose fat. That's when you'll get this general sense of like, oh, I'm really into training and I can feel myself getting better because now your body has the resources to do all of those things, you know, to, yeah. to have energy, to lose fat, to have energy, to put on muscle. It's yeah. just because you're just in the tank at the moment. That's why you're not seeing the results. Yeah. Well, I'd also add to that, the people who are doing that, the people who are doing in the gym, the people who are doing yoga or whatever, and they are still feeling stressed. It's mm. like, hang in there. Stay, stay patient. Keep, yeah. keep doing what you're doing. Don't think that you've exhausted all your options. Um, however long you've spent in that kind of negative mindset, that ne- not negative mindset, but that negative... Uh, homeostasis your body's going to take a little bit of time to come out of it mm. and then to move on and flourish so just keep doing what you're doing and just hang on don't give up the fight yeah. okay cool we'll wrap it up there before I start crying <laughs> okay see you uh, next week guys cool take it easy bye